You are listening to Tackling Cambridge Homelessness and Support for Rough Sleepers. It's one of the biggest challenges for Cambridge and this is the second in a series of Cambridge Challenges programmes for Cambridge 105 Radio. And you're also listening to Lewis Herbert. I used to be the council leader. I'm currently a deputy mayor at the Combined Authority and I'm a councillor for Coleridge Ward in the city and I take a keen interest in the city that I love. But not all things are easy, and one of those subjects is tackling homelessness. As you're aware, this is not a city with an easy position on housing. We have a distinct shortage of affordable housing. Today we're listening to several people who can inform us about the challenges and also a look at rough sleeping in particular. First, I'll be talking to James Williams, who's a housing manager at the City Council, and then to Chris Jenkin and Lee Wellham from It Takes a City, who are a marvellous new partnership doing a lot of amazing work and building homes as well and providing homes particularly for rough sleepers. Near the end, we'll also be looking at how you can help and how other organisations can help because, as you'll hear during this programme, this is a massive partnership and it's also a partnership that, particularly for Rough Sleepers, has been able to transform the quality of support and the options, uh, including what's called Housing First, which means that people are able to move into homes, whether council flats or new modular homes, so it isn't just a case of hostel provision or the street. I'm speaking today to James McWilliams and James is Housing Services Manager at Cambridge City Council and James was also co-founder of Cambridge Street Aid in 2016 which is something that we that we may come on to. So James you've been uh, doing this for how many years? For Cambridge City Council Lewis around about five years in my current role and then four years prior to that with more of a focus on uh, rough sleeping and single homes. Well, that's, that's nearly a decade. So how do you regard the homelessness crisis in Cambridge? How big is it? Uh, thank you for asking, Lewis. Work for Cambridge City Council for getting on for a decade, about five years in the current role, and then four years in a role that was more focused on uh, single homelessness and rough sleeping. How would I characterise things at the present time? Interestingly... Things have been pretty consistent in terms of the numbers of people that approach us for housing advice and uh, pretty consistent too in terms of the number of people that we end up housing on the social housing register from the social housing register. So what kind of people come in for advice? And, and I, I've got a figure in my head of roughly about a 1,000 people um, at any one time are, are sort of struggling in Cambridge. What sort of number would you put on it? D- thank you. In, in the course of a year, we will get somewhere in the region of about 1,500 to 1,800 people approaches for housing advice. Now, most of those people will not be homeless, but there will be people who want advice about preventing homelessness, which um, we we massively encourage. We want people to come in the earliest possible stage and discuss things with us because we can very often prevent people from being homeless altogether. In, in any given week or interview, uh, let's have a look, probably... We, we will interview a couple of hundred people maybe in a week 
whose homelessness, this is across the housing advice service, whose homelessness needs may be a little bit more acute. So it can be about a thousand different people in a month, but overall, that's a significant number. What what kind of people do you come across? Is there any age focus in this, or is it people of all ages in the city? It will be people of all ages, but when we run profiles on the people that approach us for housing advice generally, and as I say, these are people who are are by by no means, you know, the actual number of these folk that are actually homeless will be relatively small within that number but we get people approaching us mainly within the sort of 2040 band in terms of of ages with the preponderance really being in the in that older category the 30 40 category it will be often single men approaches that's probably the the largest single demographic. A demographic that might interest your listeners, Lewis, is that the largest single characteristic of the people that approach us for housing advice, but not necessarily owners, are people who don't have a job at the present time or whose work is low paid and they may be working few hours in a low paid sector. So there's a big crossover with income levels then, because presumably it's about affordability, but also just the difficulty of trying to secure a tenancy. I think so. I think that um, Cambridge, as you, you will know as well, if not better than myself, is a very expensive city in which to buy a house and a very expensive city within which to rent a house. But of course, Cambridge, and this is one of the reasons for the... Um, high ransom and cost within Cambridge, Cambridge is mainly where the jobs are, at least in this southern part of the county. We obviously have a a high demand which is based on people that work in Cambridge, um, not all of whom live in Cambridge, but work in Cambridge, and would like to be be settled in Cambridge if they possibly could. But um, uh, cost of accommodation is, is high, and if you move out of Cambridge, then the cost and the time spent commuting is obviously something that a lot of people don't want. And a lot of people are moving out a long way because the price of housing and also just the availability. So who is it that the council is particularly able to help with accommodation? Because we've been building council homes and there's obviously quite a few affordable homes being built in the new developments. But but what kind of level of need uh, do you have to have? And what kind of priorities does the council have? Um. I think your level of need is, has got to be quite high, if I'm honest with you, in order for somebody to qualify for for social housing. Um, we we have a lettings policy, and anybody who is interested in knowing the um, the, the the detail of um, how it is that we bring competing claims for people in social housing, I'm interested in going online and looking at that policy. Um, It's determined by the law. It's determined by the policy that councils like self-exporters. And it's also determined we hope on a very fair common sense approach towards hopelessness. If you're overcrowded, if you share facilities with people, you know, there are 
families, quite a lot of single people share facilities with people, and, and that's a different matter. But you'd be surprised that um, in the 21st century, we do have households that are sharing facilities with other people. Those are the things that um, will put you some, uh, some considerable distance up the needs scale. Actually being homeless, having nowhere to live and being in what uh, the law calls priority need is also something that is going to entail a set of duties for the council. We, we need to make sure, for example, that households with children are, are housed because they're in priority need. So that's one of the key reasons why it's mainly people who are single that you see out on the street mercifully um you don't see people with children out on the street because you have that duty to get people with children straight in and, that, and they need the continuity of education and obviously the family's got a lot of other obligations what you've explained is that there's a, a very big homelessness challenge and obviously a lot of it is left to helping people find their way out and find their way around private rented and different options. You talked also about rough sleepers and I know you've done a lot of work uh, on this issue and subject over the last few years. So the, the government promised, whoa, 2017, they promised by 2022 they'd half it and by 2027 it would disappear altogether. Um, how's it going, James? Well, um, it, it's, going, it's going rather well in this sense, Lewis, that the amount of money that we've received from central government to put into specifically dealing with um, uh, rough sleeping, um, has has been high. There's um, we 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 are at the moment um, on the, the fifth successive year of something that is called the Rough Sleeper Initiative, and this was specifically funding that was brought in so that we could um, uh, uh, make strides towards dealing with with the, the government's objective and which actually has been brought forward by two years because the current pledge is that uh, rough sleeping will end within uh, the lifetime of this parliament, so 2025 now. Um, so If they're lucky, to... they started in 2019, but yeah, it's not far off, yeah. We use that money to do a number of things. We have employed quite a number of additional support workers because um, one of the things that we have realised for a long time is that getting somebody who might have been on the streets for a while and in and out of housing, they don't just need a home, they need to be supported to, uh, to adjust to being in a, in a tenancy. So we've, we've put plenty of funding into additional support. We've also wanted to expand the range of options for people because hostels of, of the old-fashioned kind where people would go for a couple of years and um, hopefully at the end of that time come out more ready to uh, live in, in more mainstream rented accommodation. Um, they work very, very well for some people, but they definitely don't work for everybody. Um, so you'll know uh, uh, as well as I do that... Um, some of those additional things has been the creation of 22 modular homes that the council and Jimmy has put together over the past couple of years. 
We have 14 properties that are funded uh, partly by ourselves as a council, partly by central government, which are uh, roughly for accommodation programme homes. These are exclusively for rough sleepers and will be available for many decades into the future. We've also spent quite a bit of money on being able to work with private landlords um, to make a private sector housing a little bit more affordable for, for this group of people as well. And as you'll know, we've recently introduced something called uh, the Streets to Home Service. And the Streets to Home Service is jointly funded by Cambridge City Council, Cambridge County Council, and it's, approach, it's an approach where, as the name says, we want to much more quickly get people from the street to some kind of accommodation with as little intervening time on the street as possible. Going back, however, Lewis, if, if I may, just, just to the, the point about ending rough sleeping, I think there's been a, a, a little bit of a redefinition of that in the sort of anthem of experience, if you like, which is, Say we know that there still will be people on the street. There will be people. Hopeless. What it is that we're trying to do is to make sure that that uh, period of homelessness will be as brief as possible and non-recurring. Those are the two sort of key elements I think of is we're trying to do. There will always be somebody who, for one reason or another, lose accommodation and sleep. There will be people who won't, for example, engage well with services. We won't be in a position, I don't think, anywhere in the country where we can say there are no rushes to be seen on the street, certainly not in our urban centres. It's a lot different if we went back 10 years to that kind of issue where effectively Jimmy's and others were doing an amazing job and there was the winter provision, uh, severe weather provision, but it was effectively a kind of temporary hostel option and and some specialist support but 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 now what you're saying is that um assisted by government but also the partnerships with so many organizations um and modular housing and housing first there is a, just a big focus on uh supporting rough sleepers and other homeless people into accommodation it, it, exactly so lewis i mean rough sleepers are as variable in their wants and needs and desires as the rest of us. And what we've endeavoured to do is make sure that there is a choice uh, that people have and that it isn't the maybe more than one size fits all approach that we, we didn't necessarily want to take 10 years ago, but it, it was the approach that was um, possible then because we were working off uh, are still generous, but more limited funding envelope than we have at the present time. Well, we're, we're having to pay a bit out of the council tax and out of other income, uh, but, yeah. but nevertheless, yeah, I'm impressed that the government uh, faced up to this. Presumably it was because also, James, that the number of rough sleepers, including very visibly in Cambridge, had risen so quickly over the last decade. Yes, there's, um, we, we reached a peak back in, I think it was 2015, where our annual November street count, I mean, we, we count roughly for four mornings a week, every, every day of the week, every week of the year. But um, one of the key counts takes place in November of each year, just before we enter into the winter season. We reached a peak 2015 or 2016, 
member of which we're, we counted 40 people on the street. Um, uh, for our last count, um, if memory serves me correctly, we counted 14 people. So that's, uh, yeah, that's an impressive deduction. The money that we're spending is, um, is, is showing results. We're talking about a very different environment, far less visibility of rough sleepers, but still a lot of people with uh, challenges in their lives um, now getting a lot more housing support. Um, how do you see things into the future? And uh, perhaps a bit, James, about uh, how local people can help if they see someone on the street or organisations can help uh, the very good teamwork that's uh, expanded that opportunity of straight into housing for so many? Over the um, next few years, we would expect to see um, some more modular homes being brought into... Uh, I think modular homes have been uh, very popular with rough sleepers. I think more popular, if you think about it, than maybe having a flat with somebody above you, somebody below you, person maybe on either side. Um, rough sleepers have reported that having modular homes gives them a sense of ownership and space that they don't necessarily get in a purpose-built bricks and mortar home. Although paradoxically, the um, the modular homes are actually smaller, but there is that self-containment and that sense of ownership. So more of those uh, is, is certainly one part of the mix. Um, the continuation of support at roughly the level that um, we have that at the present time. Certainly one of the things, and you mentioned everyone in, and I'm, I'm grateful to you for having mentioned that, because part of the uh, what gave us the ability to be able to overcome some of the suspicions and reticence of some, reticence of some people on the street was that coming into everyone in, it was possible to be able to talk to people about their lives and their desires and their aspirations in a way that when those people were on the street was obviously much more difficult. The winter provision that we've put in place since everyone in has reflected that experience. So rather now than an on-off, on-off arrangement where, you know, maybe sort of 20 people are on a mattress on the floor in a room in Jimmy's that was dealt with an army or whatever. We suddenly jumped into the 21st century where everybody has a room of their own with concrete facilities. And the winter provision this year and next will mirror that. And that gives us a good opportunity, as I said, to sit down and talk to people about um, what it is they want and overcome some of those suspicions. And that then helps us to integrate people into more mainstream services like we've mentioned like jimmy's and like schools and um and also the other um, the other initiatives well thank you um we'll we'll go into that in more detail further on with uh, chris <laughs> jenkin um and uh, a colleague from it takes a city so no, thank you for all you do, and thank you for that contribution, James. Uh, that was James McWilliams, Housing Services Manager at the Cambridge City Council, and originally also a co-founder of Cambridge Street Aid. So later in the programme, we'll also uh, give a lot more about how residents and organisations in the city can, can be part of this. So thank you, James. Have a good day. Thank you very much indeed, Lewis. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to you. Cambridge 105 Radio. You're listening to Lewis Herbert, 
and this is a programme called Cambridge Challenges and we're looking at the issues of tackling Cambridge homelessness and support for rough sleepers in our great city. I've been joined in the studio by Chris Jenkin and also Lee Wellham and they're both uh, amongst many things because you're not, you're not quiet geezers, you get up to an awful lot, the two of you. They're both from It Takes a City. Chris has chaired It Takes a City and will tell us a bit about it. And also it's set up a community land trust because it's very keen to develop new accommodation for homeless people, particularly rough sleepers. And uh, in addition to that, uh, Chris has chaired or been a trustee of multiple organisations in Cambridge uh, over the last 15 years. And I noticed uh, Cambridge Street Pastors and also a big role in the Cambridge Church's housing project. Lee Wellham uh, is also a, a, a trustee of It Takes a City and Lee's also at times been a guest of uh, the Cambridge Church's housing project in the past um, and he's moved into a shared house and uh, we'll learn a bit about uh, Lee's experience as well as uh, Lee's take on it because uh, that will bring a, a really uh, upfront experience of, of what, what it's like and also uh, some real insights about what people who are rough sleeping need in terms of support and uh, respect. So to start us off, Chris, tell us a bit about what you are, you're doing and how you see the uh, response going in Cambridge to the whole issue of rough sleeping. Uh, yes, as you, as you said, it goes back more years than I, I care to remember now a few. from the beginnings of all this. And um, moving towards trying to help the issue of homelessness has been in a kind of um, inevitable trend in all that we've done in the city amongst churches and the wider community and in particular forming the uh, the summit on homelessness in November 2018 uh, inspired partly by the work done by Andy Burnham and his team in in Man Greater Manchester we were really quite amazed at the response to that um, the people wanted to be connected many people wanted to help didn't know quite how to so we formed a number of action groups in different topics, as we said, to continue the conversation that began at the summit. And those uh, action groups uh, morphed in various ways into new projects and, and, and services. And in particular, a, a big leap forward when the pandemic hit, um, when we were able to bring together quite a lot of resources, actually from my old colleagues in Cambridge Street Passes and the, the Church's Homeless Project, um, were able to step forward and provide volunteers and support as part of Everyone In, when uh, the council organised the accommodation and we organised the support and the meals to up to 120 people at one time, uh, seven days a week, and we kept that going for 15 months. Uh, we managed to secure accommodation from our partners in the property sector, our partners in the church network and charities opened up their kitchens, hundreds of, dozens and dozens of volunteers stepped forward to help with that distribution and that developed into not just meals but also practical care, how are you doing today, can we help you, providing clothes and, and, and other material things that people needed um, and that developed into offering year-round services when that particular everyone in came to a uh, came to an end and in particular establishing a new winter accommodation project last year which we look to continue again this winter which um, enabled us to provide ensuite accommodation to people and working in partnership with the city council and with many other organizations and providing some really quite transformational work to people that uh, had otherwise struggled to accept any offers of accommodation. So we think that um, we were kind of pushing for a sea change and the pandemic kind of, I think, pushes all over into quite a different approach in focusing upon 
accommodation and support for, for rough sleepers as a prioritised group within the city. Um, we're very encouraged by the work of so many to achieve that end and we look to continue that and uh, towards the goal of ending rough sleeping within the government's own time frame of the next um, two or three years. Thanks, Chris. And, and yourself, Lee, um, what's been your experience over the last few years um, and uh, how do you see the work that it takes a city and others are doing fit with the needs of people um, that I do you know? Think, I do think things have majorly improved. I, I turned up here June June the 13th, 2018, so over that time, I've, you know, we've we started building these pods, which are fantastic. I have noticed less, less and less um, rough sleepers, number-wise. I think their CCHP was a fantastic. Um, it was brilliant. Uh, I loved going to a different church every night. It wasn't necess- <laughs> it wasn't necessarily about um, having somewhere dry to sleep. It was the networking I got to do because you know the public have no idea why people sleep rough or you know what the what the pressures are and what the problems are, what the, the obstacles. So it was nice talking to different groups. And as time went on, you know, I got to build some really great friendships. So CCHP was brilliant. The project that we did last Christmas with the the house on Chesterton, yeah, really good. I think it went quite well. I mean, a couple of my big issue vendors, um, they were put in there and uh, were moved on successfully. So it, it's, it's a great project. I think obviously more can be done. I think we should definitely build more pods. That should be a number one. Number one. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm quite glad Willow Walk is closed now. I mean... You know, I, the, the four years I've been there, you know, many people have, you know, died from that building. I think the pods are the way forward. I think less ho- less hostels and more pods, and you'll you'll notice a slight change. But in still, there. some hostels. Oh, we, oh yeah. He's, the problem is, pods won't work for everyone. I fully understand that. Some people, they it's a bit like going to jail. They get so used to the, you know, having thirty people around, and you know, if you if you are into drugs and drink, you know, having friends that do it, you know. It's a bit of company, I suppose, but, you know, for all these new kids that are becoming homeless, you know, get them straight in a pod so they don't stay in that quicksand too long, because trust me, the longer you're in that quicksand, the more comfortable it becomes and the easier it is to just stay where you are and you, you lose the drive to, to, to try and move on. So how do the, does the modular housing and the pods work well? What, what kind of opportunity for a bit of community and and wider things does it provide because it's not just is it lee about housing there's a lot no, lot no. more to just some of the challenges people have got to overcome in their own lives dependency or stuff in their heads or the shadow of something that's happened that they've got to get over i, I, I think the reason why the pods are more successful than hostels for the majority of people is if you know you put 50 geniuses in a university and they feed off each other they grow and ideas come along Sadly, whoever come up with the idea to put 50 heroin addicts in one building with Mm. an award-winning team, okay, on paper, kind of... It, it could work, but it clearly didn't. It clearly So didn't. technically, all of the resources <laughs> could be provided. Um, well, you, you put too many people together and they fuel each other. And yeah. that, I'll give you an example. One of my vendors, I won't mention his name, he went to a rehab centre. Because you're and a big issue yeah. entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of a franchisee for the big issue, but yeah. I, got, I get to meet a lot of homeless and ex-homeless. So my friend, he went into a rehab unit. We spent thousands of pounds on this. And the first place they put him back was Willow Walk. I couldn't believe it. No wonder he found again you know what I mean because all his pals were there and the first thing that happened was he just went straight back on the thing now this this chap he got housed during lockdown he's now in Trumpington he's he's cutting down on the alcohol he's doing 
delivering and walking a few miles every day. He's, he's away from, you know, the dipsticks, shall I say, you know. And he's, he's improving. And the reason the pods work is because there's only four or five together. We're spreading them so out. So people have got a choice about who they see. They've got their own What well, is your castle. It's your home, isn't it? Yeah. You know, you've got your own bedroom, your bathroom, your front room. You've got your own space. Also, another thing, when you're in a hostel, it's three years before you get housed, you know, or, you know, the opportunity comes for you to get housed, but you pay no bills, you pay nothing. So you live in this fantasy land of everything is given to you, you know, you can, you know, and then you, you suddenly get the keys to your gaff and, oh my God, I've got to pay council tax. You know, and all these bills, there's no and, training. And you've got to sort out housing benefit yeah, or it's just... just if you're uh, used to doing it, we take it for granted, you know. I'm lucky, my mum brought me up well, you know. I uh, I know I can pay these things, but for someone like my big issue vendor I talked about, he'd nearly give up his flat in Trumpington. So it's he, partly what you're saying there, Lee, that the street and the hostel weren't actually that different in a way because there's an element of social environment which isn't that different, but you're not actually woken up or... But the hostels, the kind of hostels didn't provide the shake-up or the individual it's uh, just impossible freedom? To, it's just impossible to work in a hostel. So I believe I, I believe Jimmy's is like £300 a week. I'm, I'm not too sure about the other hostels. But, you know, you know you're know, you a bit of a dipstick. You've got mm. mental health problems or drug addictions or come out of jail. <laughs> Are you going to pay £300 a week? No. Are you going to get a job? And actually, you know, because, you know, it's quite hard if you haven't worked for a while. You know, the longer you leave it, the harder it's is to get back in but are you going to earn all that money and then just give it to a hostel yeah. you're just not going to do it so it just breeds what you've actually done is create a system where you just you're keeping everyone at, that on that safety net the, the safety net is just keeping you here we just want ladders buddy so Opportunities. How, how are how are some of the people that you knew uh, before covid or over the last couple of years are are they have they been able to uh, build a bit more be able to get some part time work or well, or or are, and are they getting the kind of support that is they that they particularly need well we've got a quite a famous young man here in uh, cambridge called Eamon and uh, just recently the duke of cambridge and his wife decided to go visit him in his yeah, pub no, which he I was, was on, very, he was on national telly yes yeah. i was very proud of him and uh, this wouldn't have happened 4 years ago bud I gave him an intervention one day because he wore the same trousers, you know, for a long time and I was just like, no, what you're not going to, you know, this is when he was selling, but you're not going to sell if you don't wash your hands and keep clean. Looking at him on that picture, he yeah. looked a million dollars, honestly. What, what a transformation. And that was the pod. That was him going into a pod. He's away from the dipstick, shall I say. Yeah, he's got that... that oh, Christ the Redeemers along um, Newmarket Road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were, the, they were the initial pods that were set up, but yeah. he had someone that's going to be there and give him advice on paying bills and that. I mean, even look, even in lockdown he rung me up and he, he leaves you want to borrow money I was like why, why, why are you asking me but it clicked then you know as an addict he was you know get the money spend the money get the money he was saving it the guy wears better traders than I do now you know <laughs> like I say what a transformation and okay not everyone has been successful in the pods you know there, there are one or two characters that again didn't seem to work but they would fit in the hostile environment because you know they've been institutionalised in that sort of way. You know, some people have grown up in hostels, you know, since 19, you know. Well, some people might have been in care as children yeah. or different environments, so... Um... I, I was here 20 years ago, 20 years ago, yeah, and the same same people that are on the street ham and egging, yeah, and begging for money are the same people that they're in hostels 20 years ago. They're just constantly recycled because, you know, it's going to take one of the girls 20 years to get out of that mentality of counselling, you know. This is why I like to catch the new ones, you know. It's a bit unfair on some of the old ones, but, you know, if the, you, you, 
they've got to want to change and you know you've got to pick your battles but you know it's the same characters that are in these hostels so well, it must get, it if, if you've been on the street for 5, 10, 15 years on and off because people don't always stay on the street all that time it must get more challenging for people suddenly to snap into a different gear yeah I know I know it's, it's hard I don't think I'll ever change that girl in, in question because she's been doing it so long which is such a shame opportunities one guy I never thought would ever get a job one of my vendors and he now does he works you know and that was just that was just three years yeah. of little nitpicking come on you know you've, you've only earned 30 quid this week on the issue you could work all day you know just one day a week everyone can stack a shelf everyone can wash a plate yeah. all we want is ladders ladders take you up no one climbs down a ladder you just go up you know and that's all you need and then they'll start looking after themselves okay for the the, the 20 year old veterans the 15 year old veterans maybe you know it's going to be a bit of a hard hard battle but if we can start fresh with the youngsters and the new ones that come in because the system is, it wasn't designed for me the system was designed for people that come out of jail people with mental health problems or people with drug addiction and all in one place in I, Cambridge. I was told by the council that I couldn't get looped whole into accommodation. It took a while to get me housed. I had to spend 264 days because I had to prove that I'd been here for six months. I had to have a local connection. It just, you know, for them six months, I was unnecessarily on the street because I would have got a job straight away. I mean, I've got a few jobs now, you know. I do quite a few things, but I would have done that. I stood in a suit. This is how I met Rowan Williams. I stood in a suit handing out CVs, 300 of them. Only one person offered me a job because yeah. with no accommodation, you know, they, they don't offer you one. Yeah. So it's multiple barriers. Chris? Yeah, my observation has been that in the past we tended to just keep a lid on, lid on rough sleeping, help people um, keep safe on the street because there weren't that many ladders and the ladders had snakes attached to them and it was too easy to slip down the snake. So we found when we did the analysis, a lot of people go, as, as you were saying, Lee, round around the front end of the, system, of the system, into hostels, back out again, into emergency accommodation, back out again, because there weren't many pathways through to accommodation. And I think the beauty of the pods, which are dedicated to people that have been rough sleeping, and some of the new accommodation that the council's also putting in place, again dedicated, um, and other work around shared houses and so forth, is now giving hope to people that there is a pathway through and particularly if you can get into a pod then you're you're there i often draw the diagram of all the steps from the street to the home you know it's a long isn't it a long the old days a long step of um going from the street into emergency accommodation into a hostel into move-on accommodation and then eventually into a home but more likely back around the loop once again so what what is it that people gain when they feel that they've got a place with the front door i think james calls it a defensible space um, a place, as you were saying, that you can call your own. You're not dependent upon anybody else. It's a detached house. I mean, how many people ten years ago? Um, it's a small street, detached house. It might be small, but how many people would say, "My dream is a detached house." Well, you know, people have got now their own detached house, and it's it's also modern as well. It's not as in some developments in the past, the social housing was kind of behind the bike sheds, um, not through the main front door. This is, and I got excited about these because they're high quality accommodation, they're eco, eco and modern. So you're offering our rough sleeping friends the best the forefront of innovation in housing and hopefully not their energy in. bills won't be as silly as some others this winter in, indeed that that is that is that is the hope what's it takes a city aiming to do and what do you, how does that work with the many good organizations serenians winter comfort uh, 
uh, the Jimmies, yeah. um, Emmaus, so many together. How, yeah. how do you all work? It's a crowded scene, but obviously yeah. it's got a massive yeah. challenge we've, to We've drawn work the on. maps of the services. It's a very complicated ecosystem in Cambridge. So, But the offer that we brought was to bring new resources. So organisations, perhaps like academia and businesses that wanted to help but didn't know quite how to, concerned individuals coming together with people who had experience of sleeping rough to create uh, new services. So listening to rough sleepers, yeah. listening to people. Yeah, ab absolutely. But also not tapping into the existing resources but bringing new resources in. So, for example, in Tempsey City, we don't have a public fundraising activity at all. We are supported by a small number of high net worth individuals and by working with uh, local authorities and delivering services. But these are new things that haven't been done before. So we're not trying to compete with the existing but to try and bring something new and call But it is quite a new. change because I know from the council that the councillors try well, it's spending a significantly larger sum of money. It's now spending two and a half million and before it might have been spending one and a half yeah. plus it's putting money into capital which yeah. is part of building more. So we still need the provision of the hostels. We still need uh, that. I think the direction of travel with the new street to home service is a shift away from the hostel system, except for those, as Lee says, that absolutely need that kind of 24-7 institutional setting and to move towards offering someone their home as soon as possible, uh, whether through the housing first route for a particular cohort who require a high level of support or what we call the system we're putting in place, the kind of first home. And so the Newmarket Road homes that Alia led on, the Hill homes that the council and Jimmy's yeah. led on, the discussions that we have, live discussions with the university and with Edie So you're, you've got a plan to we've build plan some more. And, and, Including and, with the city council. As yeah, well. no, we, we will try and help. We're busy building 500 more council homes, but we have got land as we've yeah. allocated yeah. for those Hill pods. So how do you see it going and what do you see, Lee, as the best thing that the councils and, and organisations can do. What are still the gaps that make the ladders difficult for people? The rent prices on, on, on homeless accommodation. Okay. You, you, does, you, that, does housing benefit match that? or does so, it... so, for instance, Jimmy's, like, like I said, was like £300 a week, plus yeah. the guy has to spend £20 of his benefits as a top-up. That's three hundred and twenty pound a week. You can stay at a travel lodge cheaper than that. You know what I mean? Right. And you're not. My, my, well, you, uh, my you, main I think you might for a week, but you, 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 you're right that it's it's it's, it's, it's a chunk of money. My main argument is, is I always hated the people that I was left to be sleeping around. So it's all right me being in a hostel, yeah. Um, but it was just the people, you know. So I think, you know, I'd make all accommodation for homeless people that want to work much cheaper. Yeah. Let them work, even if it's a trial thing. So we'll give you six months where you will earn some money from your job and we'll pay 50% of your, you know, through housing, a form of housing benefit to give you that chance and option. It's not going to work for everyone. And, and that would work with people just doing a day or three a week. Yeah, a couple yeah. of days a week just yeah. to build them up. You know, yeah. small steps. Journey of a thousand miles starts with one. Yeah. So, you know, literally, you give a man a fish, he feeds for a day. You give him a, a net, you know, he, you watch the homeless will suddenly you know, change and start working. And do you think uh, people who might be newer to being in real troubles or have had an event recently that's interrupted their lives have got a better chance to rebound? Yeah, I do, I do, because like I say, the longer... I, I spent so long in the, the quicksand, it started to get comfortable. You know, I, you know it, it didn't even phase me towards the last few months of me sleeping outside, you know, because... 
And I can just imagine that girl doing, you know, 20 years or 7,000 days on and off, you know, being on the street. Yeah. Just That's just too long, you know. Yeah. So we just need to make that time shorter. So intervention. Intervention. Yeah. And just if, if someone's willing to work and someone's actually willing to change and get a job, whether it's a, you know, you know, a building site or whatever, just give them that option. You'll soon, no- you'll, you'll soon notice, rather than wait that three years to get a council flat, they might just go private. Oh, my God, I've done, I've done six months' work. I managed to save this much money and my rent's still paid to the hostel. I've got enough for a deposit. I'm off. Thank you. No longer around, you know, Dave and alcoholic Simon. And then they'll move on. Yeah, but you know, they, can still, gonna... they can still choose their mates and sometimes they'll... We all see everybody in town. It's it's a bit of a village, Cambridge, in its way. So you, you'll still time. see people. No, I understand that. Um, but, you know, I'm just talking mainly about the new ones. The, yeah. the 20-year-old veterans will still carry on drinking all day. Okay. I try, I've, try, I've tried to inspire some of the, the, the beggars in town, you know, the ones that you know are notorious just for their seven days a week. But it's just too hard. You've got to pick your right. battles. Are you just and some of those aren't necessarily homeless, but m- oh, many of them are. The, yeah. the, that's something else the council... Yeah. You could spend a bit of money on educating the public the difference between somebody that is just mugging off the public to buy yeah. their drugs and then somebody that is actually So homeless. more publicity for well, street aid. Not necessarily street aid, but, you know, we just need to educate the public because um, this Christmas I'm doing a, a thing with schools, um, little... Uh, St. Luke's, um, there's about five or six of them, and uh, they're all going to design the front cover. I'm going right. to start with the youth, but you guys, you've got the, the money okay. to start with the bit adults. more publicity, but, but we could certainly uh, just look at the, the, the way that that money is targeted. So, so, yes, we do need to continue the message that a lot of the money that's given to people on the streets doesn't go to good use. But we still need that resource, and we also need other support. Chris, yeah. how, how can residents help, and what, what are your plans in the next couple of years? You well, mentioned a site with the university. Yes, so we, we have um, uh, a number of sites that we're exploring. I must say the, the ups and downs of securing a site are quite uh, profound. They are challenging, yeah. Um, but we knew that was the case in Cambridge, and so we depend, we're not buying sites commercially. We're dependent upon the goodwill of landlords willing to let us use a site for a number of years um, as a temporary location um, in order to give that first chance for people to come off the street. And if we have a, a wide enough network of, of, of places, then we can continue to provide that accommodation offer, even if one site has to close. But our hope and dream is that most sites that we would develop are going to become housing sites in due course, and there's no reason why the homes we put in place shouldn't become part of the housing site in the future when they don't need So to a mixture of sites and maybe some in new developments and, yeah, some, and, and some of yeah. those areas. And so some, you know, There's a piece of farmland, about an acre of farmland that we're looking at, um, there's an acre of, of land in a big housing development that won't be developed for about five years that we're looking at, um, and a number of the smaller city council sites where there are plots of land that are not suitable for they're not big, development. They're not big sites, some no, of them, so no. there may even be people listening to the programme yeah. today who might, might either know of a site yeah. or, or, or have a site. So that's so. sort of four, four to ten homes, um, that, that sort of order. Yeah. We have a bit of a vision for a larger kind of community with employment and training opportunities as well as a kind of therapeutic community, but probably, you know, step by step. Um, How would that, that sort of look like compared to, say, Emmaus at Land it, Beach? It would look like Emmaus in Cambridge. <laughs> so if Emmaus is listening, Diane, you know, we'd like to discuss that opportunity if the land were to present itself. Because we yeah. think there's a... We love the Emmaus model and we'd love to see something like that in Cambridge. Because Emmaus is... 
the first community in Britain yeah. was started in about 1990 in yeah, Cambridge. Indeed so, it was. Indeed um, it was. And it does right. take a while. Indeed, yeah. indeed it does. Okay. Indeed it does. And they were also promoting uh, what we call our Three Streets campaign. Um, so promoting our Street Support Cambridgeshire information website that tells you where, what services you can that you can find to help someone that's sleeping rough or homeless, or how you can help the organisation. Is that Street Link or that's Street Support Cambridgeshire? All right, www.something. www.streetsupport.net slash Cambridgeshire. And then there's Street Street Link we're promoting, which is the national organisation which allows you to um, refer a rough sleeper to the local authority in a very simple way. And there's Street A, the local alternative giving campaign. A lot of people got confused about the so-called three streets, so we've now developed a three streets campaign to help people understand which street is for which particular purpose. Um, with QR codes, so you can click onto that and get through to the relevant websites, yeah. etc. So we'll be sharing that information as well. Yeah, but indeed. That's going out in the shop and it'll be but presumably people could also donate to it takes a city if they um yeah they, if, they, if they if they search our website they'll find a place to donate as i mentioned before we don't make a big thing about it but obviously we're very grateful for any support that can be uh, that yeah. can be received Lee. One good thing about streetsupport.net forward slash Cambridge is there is an actual link where you can click that you're not homeless and a list of all the amazing charities, and it's every single charity that we could think of, uh, um, are on there. And you can actually directly uh, donate to them. So there, there was this one lady who gave a fella £40 every month to take his dog to the vets. And then when she went on the website, she found out there were street vets that do it all for free. So she now gives that money straight to street vets on a month on month out. And then she donates to her the sandwich girl and a few others because she didn't even know they existed. So well, and, and uh, yeah, in, in hostels and elsewhere, uh, people who were homeless or recovering into a, a new role, if they had a pet, it would make it very difficult. So um, obviously mm. uh, pets are a part of uh, yeah, people being yeah, able indeed, to sort important. of yeah. develop self-respect and mm. being, uh, be, yeah, just being happy to be there. So mm. if... There's still people sleeping rough, and people come across them. What what's what what's the right thing for a member of the public to do? Because sometimes people shuffle on by, looking guilty, and sometimes somebody's asleep. You you'd respect the fact that they're asleep. Yeah. What 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 what's your advice, Lee? If if people you know, are wandering it's, through, it's or, the or they find somebody outside of Cambridge, because some people uh, sleep rough away from the city centre. Yeah, I did. I, oh, there's no way I was going to sleep in a door when I was uh, when I was homeless, so I was hid away. But uh, many people ask me what what what's the best thing to do, and there's no there's no real right answer to it. If you want to give people money, you will give people money. You know, um, I think you should be really careful. If you can clearly see they are an addict, you you're just going to make it worse. Sadly, you know, um, food. I had lots of people that would wash my clothes. Uh, one lady in particular, uh, manager of Hardy's, lovely lady. She'd uh, wash my shirt every day, and then take her kid to school and bring it back to me so because i'd always wear a shirt i just wanted to look different to the other aimless well that must help i mean and, yeah, and just that act of just, random kindness well just to be asked i mean do yeah. you need a drink it's hot is there a bottle of water yeah. or in the winter definitely people yeah. okay you know if you've got old trainers that you are willing to give away i tell a lot of students this because they waste a lot of you know stuff they could i just say that give it your know, jimmy's won't you know jimmy's do accept uh, trainers but winter comfort are the main ones that do collect donations but yeah you can give clothes food sometimes it's just that five minute chat yeah you know yeah. i swear on my life five minute chat it's no honestly it wasn't about the money I, I, I like to say it's building a vendor you're building someone back up yeah you know, if you buy the big issue someone's gonna put that money yeah. to good use 
I, I, would, I say to people, if you, if you give money, you're pushing them away. Here's money to, you know, go away, as it were. If you have a, a five-minute conversation, how are you doing today, you're pulling them in. Yeah. You've definitely I, got to smile and, and say hello. Back into yeah. community. Learning the names, that's, that's quite a good one, you know. I often tell people, just learn their name, you know. Because you'll be passing them on the well, way to the same places. I, I think all the time it must be horrible for that girl just to sit. She just sits on the floor and stares at the floor and she's just ignored, you know, like by about yeah. 80% of the public. Because they're, they're looking above. Well, and obviously it's a defence mechanism, you know. You probably, you know, people like to stay away from homeless because it all depends on the last homeless guy you met, you know, so everyone's experience <coughs> is different, but... It must be demoralising. So learning people's names, I always say to customers, you know, uh, learn the name, have a little, have a little chat with them, and yeah, just build build them up. It's all about confidence. It was, I think, about thirteen years ago when I first came across a rough sleeper in the course of our street pastor duty, and we had a little chat. And I saw him a month later on patrol, late one Saturday evening, and I said, "Oh, didn't I see you over?" And he turned to his wife and said, "He remembered me." Yeah. And that was probably 50% of all I know about rough sleeping yeah. was in that single conversation to be remembered. It's a big part of human behaviour is to remember really somebody and yeah. know their name. Were you guys alone during lockdown? Were you, were you isolated? I was alone most of the yeah. time. You know, I, I say it, a lot of people, the experience of COVID and that lockdown of being shut in your house all by yourself yeah. and nobody, kind of like the experience of what a rough sleeper or somebody is outside. You know, the two metre distance, no one comes two metres near most homeless people. So, you know, they don't see anyone, talk to anyone. It's a lonely time. So The human being. Yeah, yeah. We need interaction, you know, and yeah. it's not all about the money. Then little chats, you know, I know... I've been invited around people's houses for Christmas. I've, yeah, I've you know, stayed all over Cambridgeshire and places, you know, where people let me sofa surf and that. That's and similarly, what... if people have moved into a pod or a modular home, or they, you know, somebody who's in that flat or they're sharing, because there's a whole range of accommodation, just saying hello, because yeah. the opportunity is there for people to be part yeah. of a community well we, we think that it's the wraparound support not just there's a sort of traditional what we call tenancy support you know help people pay the bills and and so forth and not losing the keys and all, all that kind of stuff but there's there's more to that's that's about surviving and we like to think about people thriving and that's about the community wrapping around so things like mentoring employment support pastoral care practical help connection with this with you know with civic activity etc volunteering it's all about helping people back into community because people have been lost out of that yeah. community and kind of rejected by it and all the things and they can make their own way back but yeah. it's it's yeah. it's it's, it's, it's their the choice yeah, with yeah. the with the chance yeah. we've got a couple of minutes to go just one sort of final thought about where we should be or aim to be and i think the end of the parliament was always a bit of a joke because the government's cut the amount of funding but the commitment is there from mm. the city council and a lot of other mm. people including the generosity of cambridge and yeah. we are a rich city the next three years where should we be in about 2025 i mean i don't think there's any need for anyone to be rough sleeping because there's plenty of space available and money available there will be those that have just been evicted for behavior and that's difficult those that have just come into the city there'll be those that aren't actually homeless but choose to sleep out 
But in terms of those rough sleeping with us, genuinely a homeless solution, that, a, home, a home solution that can be offered, we have the capacity to offer that, whether through an emergency accommodation like we do across the winter, flexible, you know, not high cost, as, as you were saying, with, with a flexible uh, model of, of accommodation, accommodation costs. I think that's entirely possible in the city if we put our mind to it and work to be ensure that no one has to sleep on the street beyond the point where, it, where, it's, where they, you can't be avoided because of the other circumstances you, you might be in. And I think, I think we can achieve that. In, in Newcastle, they, they're now talking about their effective, their, their functional zero of rough sleeping um, by a big community effort. And what they mean by that is that they would exclude people that perhaps don't belong in the city, have travelled in from elsewhere, who perhaps there's no offer that can be made. They exclude people that perhaps have just arrived, you know, that morning, for example, and no one can connect with them yet, and they exclude people that are actually got a home but are sleeping out. Yeah. So they've achieved what they call functional zero, and I think we can achieve the same here with the same kind of bringing together effort. Thank you. And uh, last word for you, Lee. Well, hopefully, I just think um, more opportunities can be made. I'd like... Uh, it takes a city to do the idea we created where we create a job agency for... Um, you know, people that have rough slept or are in hostile accommodation. I mean, maybe the council could offer something, Every, you know, Binman, you know, uh, anyone can pick up litter. You know, you, maybe we could do that, that scheme where 50% of their rent is paid as long as they do their job for them. Right, two, give me days. two jobs to follow up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm actually going to challenge you on one more thing. I once challenged Justin Welby to come and sell the big issue, which he did. Uh, and I'd actually like you to come and sell the big issue. I'll give you a big issue hat, a tabard. Go on then. Um, would that be good? We can arrange something in the future. You can indeed. That would be fantastic. Uh, so, and we can talk to people uh, as we do it as well, because yeah. I do think uh, getting the public to understand exactly what the challenge is is a continuing job. And as mm. you said, um, being clear uh, what they really can do to help mm. so so thank you lee no worries thank you and, thank you for uh, inviting thank you, me chris and we'll be providing a whole range of information on our website and obviously the links including that street support which as you said is the magic route to lots more information there's still a journey there's still a job to be done it does need that resourcing thank you to the two of you thank you um, and Thanks. i wish you all well and I will be out there with you. Perfect. Okay. Yes. Excellent. Thank you. The challenge of homelessness and rough sleeping is big. We're particularly focused on rough sleeping. And there's quite a lot of good news there before COVID, but particularly with COVID. There's been a, a, a pressing of the restart button. The opportunity to build modular homes, the engagement of people who are rough sleeping in thinking it through means that we've got quite a different approach. So I just want to conclude on a few thoughts and also give you a few links. Um, and those links will also be on the Cambridge 105 website. If you search Cambridge and Street, there's a whole range of websites. So as Lee mentioned, uh, there's Cambridge Street Aid. And there's also a particularly good website, Cambridge Street Support, and there are other links from that, plus a national street link website. Start a conversation if you see a rough sleeper. If they don't want to talk, they won't talk back, but do just treat them like you treat anybody and learn their name. Offer them some help if they need a drink, a bit of food, money. It's probably best just to think about that. It's your choice, but money put in the right place whether it's street aid or other direct help 
is making much more of an impact. If you see a rough sleeper who needs a bit of help, there's a street outreach team organised by the City Council, Cambridge 366 292. So do ring them or 999 if it's something more urgent. Street Aid, you can text 3 to 70085 and that donates £3. We've got seven terminals around the city, Grand Arcade, Grafton, Mandela, other car parks, Anglia Ruskin. St Barnabas on Mill Road so we'd like to see a few more of those terminals £17,500 has been donated since that started four years ago so that's 6,000 taps and all of that money's gone into 592 and counting uh, grants directly to people Lee mentioned he got one and there are many other uses that money's been put to. £150,000 that direct donations from Cambridge people and visitors has made a big difference there. So Street Aid, there's a whole raft of different groups like Winter Comfort, Emmaus, Jimmy's, all of those organisations uh, can do with some help. It is going to be a tough winter and a lot of the people that are going to be homeless as Lee and Chris mentioned can now get accommodation so with the right support a lot of things can be done differently.